Hello, unfiltered friends, and welcome to yet another episode. It's so exciting. Uh, this one, I was really grateful that D- Dono, Dax, whatever he prefers to be called, came through Denver so I could actually get him on set to tell this story. I've always said that being an influencer, which has a lot of negative associations with it, being an influencer to me is a verb, not a title. It is an action. How do you influence and make sure that the messages that you put out into the world are positive because you never know when it's going to help someone. And this is probably one of the most intense examples of that where a message that I put out into the world saved someone's life. I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Um, Before we get started, thank you to the sponsors of the podcast, all of my Twitch people, twitch.tv slash subdaily, where you can also watch these live. So make sure you tune in there. And then also to my Patreon people. Um, Patreon is what helps fund a lot of the equipment and being able to maybe fly out to see some of these interesting guests. So thank you to Terry, Charles, Lena, Jonathan, Carla, Raymond, James. James, Luke, Eric, Jonathan, Paul, Frida, Gregory, Dono, he sponsored himself, uh, Tracy, and Matilda Melvin. Uh, if you want to get Skype calls, handwritten letters, an extra podcast per month, follows on social media, patreon.com slash team Thompson. And let's get into this next episode of Unfiltered Friends. Welcome to the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. Before we introduce you to our next friend, I want you to take a moment to think about everything that led you to where you are right now. Do you see how strong you are? Do you see how great your story is? I hope you do, and I hope you learn great lessons and get inspired by our next friend's story on the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. And today I have my friend Dax on here, or do you prefer Dax or Don? I'll call you Dax. I mean, this whole community knows me as Dax, so that's fine. But yeah. My, my real name's Dono. Dono. Um, this is going to be an, this is going to be an intense one. Um, it's basically about how the message, one of the messages that I put out into the world stopped him from ending his own life. I don't really know how else to put that without it being... You can't, you can't really tiptoe yeah. around it. It's, so, it's basically what it is. But, but we have a story to build up before then. So tell people who you are, where you're from. Uh, so I'm Dono, a.k.a. Dax. Uh, I live in uh, Seattle, Washington. I was born and raised there. Uh, I did live in Virginia for about 10 years before I uh, my relationship ended. And I'm like, I'm going home, getting mm-hmm. out of the East Coast and going back to the West Coast. Oh, East Coast um, summers are the worst. The humidity. I mean, I'm a fat white boy from Seattle. We don't do humidity. I'm and- not a fat white boy. I still don't <laughs> like the humidity. It's I actually went- nice out here right now. It's oh, nice. It's, yeah. yeah. There's no humidity and it's beautiful no i went to i went to florida like two weeks ago and i got off the plane it was just like yeah well (laughs) like i don't want anything to do with any of this don't blame you i florida the only reason to go to florida is disney world yeah (laughs) or every single conference is because they have big facilities right if i had big facilities they could come here you know what i'm trying not to be distracted (laughs) and now you're talking about big facilities bitch <laughs> <laughs> i'm a tease you know i'm just it's just the way just, you are i'm just gay that's why we love you yeah that's why we love you well um, i don't know about we 
well, anyway. And uh, let's see, what else about me? Uh, I'm 47, just turned 47. Um, I work for a software company that mm-hmm. develops solutions for police and fire. Um, it's called Axon. We also manufacture the tasers and body cameras, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a solutions professional for them, so I help the engineering teams build something that industry wants to buy. I knew seven of those words. Yeah, did you? Yeah, Good. I I'm totally grasped you. what you You're getting there. Now. Last time was only like four. Yeah. So, you know, you know you've almost doubled. Almost exponential. Yeah, that's exponential growth. In your I knowledge. love that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk quick about a story, though, that happened recently so that we okay. can all get an update. All right. So I was really grateful that uh, you you contacted me from my perspective in this moment because mm-hmm. I know you probably have people in your life that you could have done that with. So you are, I mean, do you mind talking about sexuality no, on here? Yeah, no, so you are. I'm a gay. I'm like super gay. <laughs> you are a gay. Yeah. I'm like a homo <laughs> to, be, to end all homos. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm gay. Like You're gay. Yeah. And um, you were saying that you had signed up to go. Was this an all gay camping trip? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a, like a men's group. It's so in Washington, there's a, a campground called TRC. That's a, it's an all gay campground. So gay and lesbian um, and it's clothing optional. They have parties throughout the summertime. So every weekend there's like a different event and you can buy a membership to the campground, which covers like your camping fees. Mm-hmm. And then you buy tickets to these parties. And so um, not to spare everybody the boring details, but I struggle with like self image issues and self confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, part of my effort to try to battle those things is to put myself into positions that I would feel uncomfortable in. I can't even um, do that. It's hard. It and, is. and I wind up failing a lot, but I keep trying. And so, uh, I booked a ticket to go to this this party weekend on the the camp, um, and uh, I received a message, a text message from a phone number that I didn't have in my phone, that basically said, "Don't come, you're not welcome." Um, and I said, "Well, who is this? And you know, who are you to tell me that I'm not to, that I shouldn't come?" Uh, and they say, "We have I don't remember the exact language. I deleted the text, but it was basically we have enough like uh, drama, fat asses, and we don't need you or whatever, and you're just not welcome." And I mean, it blew me away because I didn't know anybody in this group. I didn't really interact with a lot of those people. I maybe knew two people and maybe had seen them once or twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought being me and like completely introspective and in my head all the time, I started analyzing every interaction that I had had and the three events that I'd gone to leading up to buying this party ticket to think, who did I offend? Who did I make upset? It wasn't about being mad at that person for saying those things to me. For me, it was all about what responsibility do I have in making that person feel so bad that they wanted to tell me I shouldn't come. You know, did I say so, something? And they were cowardly too. Oh yeah, hiding behind a text message. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I don't like to bother you. I know you're busy, um, and you know a lot of people rely on you for advice, etc. But in that moment, I needed to talk to you because I knew number one that you would tell me honestly what you thought. You mm-hmm. call bullshit if bullshit was bullshit, yes. and um, and that you have never not told me. You know pretty point blank what you believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so uh, I was at at lunch at work and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm going to call Chris. And so I called you and you, you told me what to do. Basically, it was like, first of all, go to the party, report what happened. Um, you know, don't just let this slide. And, and it's, yeah, it's time. like one person's voice. There's so many people there. Uh, but did, did you bring it up in the group text message? I did. So I, I texted the the person that was organizing it. His name was John. And I told him what had happened. And I sent him a copy of the message. And he didn't recognize the phone number either. Um, but he just said, you are more than welcome to come. It's for everybody to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know who that is or why they're using uh, you know, my event to, to uh, spew their hate or what have you. But yes, mm-hmm. I, I, you absolutely should come. Uh, so he was awesome, as was everybody else. The you know the camping trip was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Uh, went to dance parties, and it was just fun. You know, being mm-hmm. out in the woods and having a, and being surrounded by people that are like minded and where um, 
you know, like you just get a lot of positive energy. I mean, people I didn't know were coming up to me and hugging me and saying hi. And it wasn't a result of that because I didn't publicize it. I didn't want to be that guy, right? Because then you turn into that drama fatty. Right, right. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be what the guy was accusing right. me of. So I had a great time. Um, and just the most recent update, I uh, have been in law enforcement my entire 25 year career. So I know lots and lots and lots mm -hmm. of police people. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that a uh, police officer in my local city, uh, I've known since she started, she was a brand new rookie and came and sat with me. Um, and uh, she helped me track down what was going on. Unfortunately, it was a Google voice number and mm. it was buried like two levels deep in an anonymity. So we didn't know who it was. It was mm. like two fake names. So it, it's gonna go nowhere. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I went and had a great yeah, time. Yeah, I think that, and like you, you were obviously upset about that. Oh, like yeah. why would, because you want to feel accepted. You already struggle with like image issues and to have someone mm -hmm. say that you weren't worthy because of how you look. Right. Because you're not a, you're not a dramatic person. No. So no, I loathe drama. <laughs> so like, it's just like the dramatic part. I, like, has this person even met you? Yeah, that's what I mean. It clearly didn't know me very well. Um. So I think that's like the the biggest lesson from that is like we're going to hear negative voices everywhere. Mm -hmm. Understand that is it's one individual's opinion. Right. And the majority of the people will be loving and accepting. And I'm a, you had a blast. Yeah, I had a great time. I had yeah. a fantastic time. There wasn't a single bit of negative energy that came from anyone other than me, of course. I had my own anxiety that I had to deal with. Yeah. There was a couple times where um, there was a big, big groups of people and I just was like, okay, this is just a little bit too much for me right now, so I'm gonna go back to my campsite and just lay down in my tent or watch the river or look at the stars or whatever. Um, but for the most part, I had a fantastic time. Yeah, Good. I, and I've been actually back twice now for two different two different events. And Fun. Stuff. Yeah, it's a great time. And are you getting to know people along yeah, the way? Yeah, lots of people, made lots of new friends um, and uh, a lot of great, really cool people that are just mm -hmm. awesome. And, uh, towed a trailer with my new truck Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, went up and didn't have to sleep on the ground, which was awesome. So was the was the tr truck experience that you had when you came out to visit me for Thanksgiving? Did that inspire you to get a truck, <laughs> or did you always want a truck? Um, so I've always loved to camp, and um, I didn't do a whole lot of camping except on my motorcycle and on my Can motorcycle. We go camping? Yeah, sure, <gasps> absolutely. Let's plan a camping yeah, trip. Yeah, we should totally <gasps> go camping. There's so much camping here. Absolutely. So Absolutely. much nature here. Yeah, beautiful. Same thing in, in Washington. Yeah. places to go camp. So uh, so yeah, I, I just, um, I wanted to be able to experience camping beyond my motorcycle, but the only gear I had really was geared toward motorcycle camping. So I don't have a way to, to cook. I don't have a way to bring food because you can't bring that on the motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, so I went camping once with my tent gear and all that stuff at, at, uh, at TRC. Uh, and thankfully the kindness of strangers, like people would feed me and I mean, it was great. So I didn't have to worry about it. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of evolve camping into something a little bit more sophisticated and, and a little bit more long-term than just the couple of months in the summertime mm -hmm. that you can go. Uh, so I thought, all right, I wanna buy a camp trailer. I have several friends that have one. Uh, so I've been thinking about it for months and I thought, well, the first step is to buy a truck or something that can tow. Um, and I just fell in love with this Colorado, so it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm beautiful. so glad that you got that because when we tried to go to St. Mary's Glacier, <laughs> it was like 60 degrees in Denver, and yeah. you get to St. Mary's and it's like blizzard. blizzard yeah, and it was just that like was great. Oh, but I'm glad that we, I've gone back since and hiked some of it. Oh, I couldn't really? hike all of it because I was with low elevation friends mm. uh, that wouldn't have been able to <laughs> hack it because it's already at 9,000 feet. Oh yeah. 
So, um, well, even just the three of us when we were up there, yeah, us, we were, we were, but I've heavy. been training at higher elevations cause, uh, been here over a year now, right? Or almost seven months, seven about months, seven, yeah. eight months. I want to do some of the 14ers, which is 14,000 feet. Ooh. You start hiking at like three o'clock in tough. the morning. Yeah. Speaking of hiking, by the way, if, oh, this one, if Chris tells you that you're going to go on a short, <laughs> low exertion hike, you need to check yourself because the boy lies. I, okay. So we're at Red Rocks <laughs> and we're hiking around and I got a little turned around and it turned out that we weren't on the level where the car was, that the car was indeed up it was a solid 200 stair Easily. staircase. <laughs> he was trying to kill Frida and me is what Frida he was trying to do. Frida and Dax were and both. A-Dog was doing okay, but, but Frida and me were. Yeah, know. it was a struggle. But yeah. you know what? It was beautiful. You made it. It was an experience to it. It remember. Beautiful. We devoured pizza afterwards. Yes, so, I haven't yeah. been back since. Really? No, oh, because wow. it's it's like it's Chicago-style pizza, but it's not It's Lou's. not in Chicago. Yeah, it's not Lou Malnati's. And the first time we met each other in person was at Lou Malnati's. It was at Lou Malnati's, yeah. Um, which is, what a great segue. Yes. <laughs> so exactly? you were, you, you talked a little bit, you touched a little bit on the fact that you lived in Virginia mm-hmm. for about 10 years. Yep. What was your reason for moving to Virginia? Uh, I moved for a relationship. So I... That's a big move. Yeah. Across I, the country for someone. They must have been very mm-hmm. important to you. Uh, in 2004, I was working for 911 still, and I was sent to Virginia for some training and uh, in Reston, Virginia. And um, while I was there, I met someone, um, and we hit it off really well. And we dated long distance for a couple years. Um, he would come visit me in Seattle. And in between there, I actually moved from Seattle to Chicago and, and back from Chicago to Seattle when a, when a job changed didn't work mm. out so he came to chicago and seattle and i went to virginia or to dc and we would hang out you know as often as we possibly could we did a cruise vacation in that time frame together and we just you know we fell in love with each other and it was a uh, um yeah i know you don't <laughs> want to talk about those emotional things Ugh. um but uh, so yeah, and then in uh, November of 2006 is when I started working, for, well in April 2006, I started working for my last company and I traveled and it didn't matter where I lived. And so I said, well, you know, what if I moved to Virginia? And so uh, we worked it out, we bought a condo, I moved to Virginia um, and you know, we started our life together in November of 06. Um, it, it was great. It was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, we had two cats, it was great. Well, Three cats. The cats thing. I don't, I'm not on board with the cat I know thing. you're not on par with the cats. But well, I like cats. I just can't Your touch body them. doesn't like them. Yeah, my body's like, mm-mm. <laughs> like, no thank no you. No, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. guys had, you, to my understanding, like you had a well-paying job. He oh, yeah. had a well-paying job. Yeah. Beautiful condo. Mm-hmm. We, we were everything that you would expect a couple, and regardless of sexuality, I mean, heterosexual, homosexual, doesn't matter. I can't wait till we get to the right. point where we, we don't have it to differentiate, matter, right? you, you know, like you're just it. a yeah. couple. But you, uh, if you were to look at us from the outside uh, in 2006, especially, and going forward, you know, we, we had the struggles of moving in together for the first time that anybody does, learning, you know, he leaves the seat up, or he doesn't put the toilet paper the right way, or stupid shit like that, but... Yeah, um, the important things. Right, the important things. <laughs> but... We had a, a beautiful condo on a golf course in a desirable part of Fairfax County. I had a great job. He had a great job. Um, we both had nice cars. We had nice things in our houses. In, in our house, it, 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 there was just nothing that would have appeared as if anything was wrong. Um, and that stayed that way for for many years, for five, you know, five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to 2012, and we'd been together by that time for six years. We'd been living together for four years. And... Um, I just got into this place in my head where uh, I was looking at what was going on in my own life and 
I should be like super happy. I have a great guy that loves me. We have a good relationship. We talk with one another. We have a good house. We have a good jobs. We eat out. We go on vacations. We have fun. We do all the things that you're supposed to do to enjoy life. Um, and yet I looked at myself and I was just, I was unhappy most of the time. And that's the best way for me to describe it. I can't, I don't know that I've ever experienced depression. And if I have, I don't know yeah. what to call it, but I just felt unhappy. I felt like things in everyday life that should bring me joy. Um, for me, I love to eat. So like going to um, a place where they have noodles. I love noodles. Mm. I would go eat noodles and I would just feel as if I had gone through it and there was just no joy in having eaten noodles. Whereas before there was I mean, joy in having eaten noodles. That very much sounds like depression. And it probably was. And yeah. I you know, was too proud, stupid, ignorant, whatever, to seek any type of help at the yeah. time. It was just a matter of, you know, I'm a big boy. I can handle this. I can, I can mm, move through it. You got that man thing. Right, exactly. And I think we don't talk about that enough as men, like pick ourselves up by our bootstraps type thing. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, sometimes the solution is much more complicated than that. Yeah. You know, it's not just you're feeling sad, smile about it. You talk to mm-hmm. a depressed person, you're like, right. why don't you just think positive? Like, oh, I never thought about yeah, that. You right. know, like it's so much more than that, but we're taught not to seek out that help because we as men, mm-hmm. we're supposed to just be able to handle everything on our own. Exactly, yeah. And I've always been painfully independent. I mean, I can still to this day say I don't need anyone. There, mm-hmm. there are people I want in my life and I choose to have in my life, but there's that true genuine need. I have not experienced it yet. Not to say that I won't, but I haven't to date. Where Do you I wonder need if you wonder why sometimes i wonder especially at this time frame yeah you know in 2012 um i i really thought is because i felt like at that time my partner truly needed me i felt like if i wasn't there that he would not necessarily fall apart but he would be genuinely lost for a significant amount of time that's a lot of pressure um, yeah um and whether or not it was true or not i don't know i yeah. mean but i just that's what i believed to be true but i've never really felt that i've always been you know wildly independent i think it goes back to the fact that even as a kid my mom worked she was a single mom um she got a job when i was in the third grade and i was a latchkey kid from that point forward mm. um, i came home sometimes i would fix my own meals i would um, make top ramen or macaroni and cheese or whatever and my mom would get home late and i just was always very independent and I've never been overly social. I've never been like the focal of any group of people. I've had friends, obviously, but I've never been um, in a huge social group. Do you uh, feel like the military contributed to that as well, or did that make mm, you more social? I don't think I was in it long enough to make it. How long were you in the military? I was only in like eight months. Eight months. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that you're no longer in the military? Because uh, some they found out I was gay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Like it's <laughs> crazy to think. Like we think how far we've come as a society, mm-hmm. but you know you're not old, Mm-mm. and you lived in a time where you could be in the military and you could be removed for your sexuality. Just yeah, before I mean, Don't Ask, Don't It was don't before tell. Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It was several months. So it was in, uh, I went in in October of 91 and then I was put out in, in 92. How, what was the process for that? Like, how did they find out that you were gay? So I had, uh, it's a very long story. You can look at our other podcast or, or our <laughs> YouTube video. Um, basically, there was a, a friend of mine that was in the same platoon that I was in uh, that was struggling with a cocaine addiction and he had found cocaine on post and he had um, confided in me one night. Where were they? Where do you just no find idea. cocaine? I didn't ask. They're like, oh, um, there's a cocaine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he found a a dealer let's put it that way okay um so he confided in me that he was struggling with this and he was scared that he was going to get found out and obviously that's a criminal offense in the military that puts you yes. in prison right um and, and at that time anyway my impression largely of the military would have been uh, we're not going to treat you we're just gonna put you in jail 
because you broke the law. Hmm. Whereas today, I think it'd be very different. If you had an addiction in today's military, I think yeah. they would try to treat you, but then That's they good. didn't. So he confided in me and he was having a really hard time that night. He was breaking down into tears and he was um, shaking and, and an experience I had not had before. And I felt like I needed to connect with him and tell him that it was gonna be okay. And so I said, hey, you know what? Everybody has secrets. I have a secret. You know, and I joined the military and said that I wasn't gay and I am. Uh, and for whatever reason to this day, I still don't know. Uh, he turned me in. He told our commanding officer or actually our platoon sergeant who then told our commanding officer um, that I was gay and that was illegal at the time. I, I don't like because you guys had, a, I'm assuming, like a decent relationship yeah, with each other. Yeah, we had a pretty, we were, I mean, we both arrived at Fort Leonard Wood really early for our classes. So you think about it like college, there's a semester starting. We both got there several weeks before the semester was going to start. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were just the two of us in the barracks for a long, long time. And we got assigned to these crap duties. We'd have to do KP or we'd go do flag duty at post headquarters. Or I drove around the post commander for a little while. I mean, just stupid stuff like that. But it was just us. So every night we went to chow together. We worked out together. Um, we were just friends, you know, there was nothing special about it. And that certainly for me anyway, wasn't anything like I was attracted to him or anything. There was no danger of that. So um, weird. But yeah, I thought we had a really good relationship. And I, for many years afterwards, I felt like it kind of destroyed my life because I had these plans, right? I had a plan and I was going to go to the military. I was going to get the army college fund and the GI life. bill. And I was going to go to college and mm -hmm. I was going to become a pilot or whatever my plan was at the time. And my plan derailed. And so for years afterwards, I asked myself, it's like, what did Dale think that what what risk did i pro pro did i did i have for him you know mm -hmm. what risk did i pose for him and why did he feel like he needed to do that um and there's no answers you know there's only hypotheses you'd you have just, to hear from him right have you ever tried to find him no no i i really don't have any interest um, i would be so curious really? yeah just no, just don't. to answer those questions yeah i no, i've never been and you interested. know you have the ability to find him oh yeah i could find him especially in today's world with social yes. media the way it is yeah yeah um but yeah, no, I um, I spent a lot of time basically on the, the hamster wheel in my head trying to figure out why. You don't think that would give you some sort of closure? No, because I closed it a long time ago. Really? Yeah, I closed okay. it a long time ago. Um, years, I mean, years ago I dealt yeah. with that. Um, I firmly believe that he was not a bad person. Mm. I think he was a really good person. I think he was struggling with a really evil addiction. And at that point, he was terrified of what was going to happen if he had been found out. And so I choose to believe that the reason he did it was to divert any attention that mm -hmm. might have been focused onto him and to put it on me. Build up some goodwill. Right. Basically just get the eyes off of me mm. because we were the only two in the barracks. We had a one, we had one sergeant and us two. So there's like a platoon of two. So he's just sitting around you know? by himself after right. that. Well, they actually shipped him to another company the next day. So oh. yeah, he, I didn't, I never saw him again. Um, so yeah, so I, I choose to believe that he did it because he was scared and that mm -hmm. he didn't do it out of any sense of malice or uh, wanting to hurt me or even homophobia or anything like that. You know, I don't know, but I choose to believe that it was just because he, he was scared. Were you out? No. At that point mm -hmm. in time? No, not at all. So what age did you, like, what was the process? Because you're not out, and that probably mm -hmm. set you back a little bit. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, um, I so I didn't come out until I was 29, and I came out because Later I, in life. Yeah, I came out because I met somebody, mm. and uh, we were dating, and all my friends and coworkers were like, why are you so damn happy all the time? It's driving us crazy. You're like fucking, you know, cotton candy Which is around. so silly. Why can't you just be happy somebody's <laughs> right. happy? Like, why are you so happy? Well, they just want to know. And the, my closest friends and my family wanted to participate in why I was happy. Mm. So I get it, it but it, 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 it came off like you said, like, why are you? 
why are you why is this the why are you happy right like well <laughs> and some of them did have that 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 effect especially they're some jealous my, yeah especially some of my dispatcher friends that at the time yeah. you know dispatchers are very harsh cruel well, they uh, direct people deal with a lot right. so there's no room for yeah. fluff in our world and no. so they were very um yeah, it was it was interesting. So what was that coming out process like? Uh it was, you know, so I came out to my best friend first, uh his name's Vince, and um I told Vince that uh, I needed to talk to him. Uh Vince and I rode motorcycles, we did, you know, every he was basically like my brother from another mother still is. Uh so I told him I needed to talk to him. We met up, we were riding motorcycles and I just kinda we were sitting on the motorcycles on the side of the road and I just blurted it out. I'm like, hey, hey, I like dudes. It's like I'm gay. And he's like, Yeah, I know. I'm like, What? I don't like that response, by the way. It's very dismissive because just because you know doesn't mean it's not still a big deal for the person who's telling you. Yeah, I didn't feel that way um, just because I know Vince really well and yeah. that's not where he was coming from. Um, and then I said, "Well, you know how? Who else knows?" And he's like, eh, "Pretty much everybody." And yeah. I was like, "Well, shit, I didn't really even know technically. I mean, you always know, but yeah, it's, until you admit it to yourself and you actually. I mean, I remember looking in the mirror in the bathroom saying I'm gay and thinking yeah. that was the moment I came out to myself, even though." I you had, actually did like affirmations, but of your gayness. Right. Basically, it was like, <laughs> I need to embrace my gayness. Yeah. And start dressing better. <laughs> <laughs> start dressing better. Um, and pierce my nipple. Yeah, exactly. That was much later. Yeah. Um, good heavens. You're just like dragging out everything. Yeah. Lovely. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see your pride picture <laughs> and there is your yo big ass nipple with a piercing uh, through it. I'm just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Dude, I walked around your house without my shirt on. You've seen it before. I know. Um, but it's just like, I wasn't, I, w- I was ready for that. For yeah. I was like, I pull up and I'm not. <laughs> it's pride. Yeah. No, I get um, it. I'm, I'm proud that you're proud. Yeah. So coming out was, was, um, was really uneventful. The, the well, one I, I remember you saying something about it being a little complicated with your mother, though. Well, I was scared. I mean, I was terrified. Um, I'm an only child. She doesn't have anybody else. My mom often talked about grandkids. Mm. Um, you know, she loves kids. And, and uh, so there was just that kind of inherent self-imposed pressure in the absence of any external pressure. You were just afraid of disappointing yeah, your mother. Yeah, I didn't want to disappoint my mom. And I didn't want her to think less of me. Mm-hmm. Like Because at the time... Um, even though I was almost 30 and, you know, being gay was not necessarily the taboo that it had been even as, as few as 10 years before when I was in high school or something, um, there was still that element of there's a, an aspect of you that it's broken, you know, mm. that you're just not, you're not quite right. You know, you're one tooth short of a gear kind of thing. And, and, um, so I didn't want my mom to think less of me. Cause you, you know? you're, you grew up, you were born right around the time where the idea that being gay was a mental illness still existed. I was born in 72. So and when was, yeah. and Stonewall was Stonewall 69. I think. Yeah. It yeah. was still considered a mental mm-hmm. illness back then. Oh yeah. There was still, I think there's that book of diagnosis. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. But I think it was still probably listed as, you know, when I was born anyway. So like you think about the mindset, like you probably afraid maybe your mom adopted that mindset or you never know. Right. I mean, yeah. my mom was born in 1947 and so yeah. she grew up, the only benefit I think I had going in and I've never talked to my mom about like, what did she feel in the result in, yeah. in the wake of me coming out to her? Um, but what I know about my mom is that she was very much a child of the sixties and the mm-hmm. free love. And I mean, yeah. she danced in a club called the bat cave and a go-go dance as a go-go dancer in a That's cage. So hung above the dance floor. That's so cool. I mean, she celebrated beehive hairdos and, you know, anytime I had a question about what's it like to do this substance or that, I mean, she knew, you know, she mm. just, she lived that life. So 
there was an element of her that I believed was truly open-minded because of the way she grew up. But at the same time, you just don't know because now she, it's not the 60s anymore. And no. now she's a mother and she has a career and she has responsibilities and obligations. So you're just never sure. So there was an imposed fear on myself. And I think I can't speak for everyone, but I would imagine everybody that goes through a coming out story when they have to tell their parents or you they choose to tell their parents. You never know how it's going to go. Right? You just don't know. Yeah. Um, and as much as I believed I knew my mom, you still don't know. You so know? how did it go? Uh, it was great. I, I said I wanted to come out for dinner. Uh, we had dinner, and my mom's married to the same guy, so my stepdad. Uh, we all had dinner. We're sitting around on the couch, and I like am having all of this anxiety ramping up to the moment I'm going to tell them. Uh, and I had resigned that I was going to do it. I was not going to leave without saying it, and which is a big thing in and of itself for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're sitting around at dinner, and I said, "Hey, my mom's washing dishes," and and um, I said, "Hey, I, you know, there's something I want to talk to you about." And of course, my mom is. Um, a little bit dramatic so she jump, jumps to the obvious you know i've got a disease or i'm dying or something <laughs> bad. Uh, she comes over and she sits next to me and i start to cry because i'm like kind of getting built up to this moment uh, and she scoots closer she's on my right hand side uh, she scoots closer um, and she's like honey it's okay you can tell me and so i just said it i was like i'm gay and she paused for a minute and that's when i was a little bit worried it mm-hmm. maybe it may have been 10 seconds i don't know but it felt, felt like, felt a like an eternity yeah mm-hmm. um and uh so my stepdad, Fred, Fred's awesome. He's sitting across in his little easy chair and he's just like, oh, and he went back to watching whatever's on TV. You know, it was like, no big deal. <laughs> he's where I want society to right, be. <laughs> right, Fred is just the, he's whatever. the coolest laid back guy. Yeah. Just nothing complicated. Uh, and so my mom paused and then she put her left hand on my right knee and she said, um, you're my son, I love you, and there's not a lot you can hide from your mother. Mm. And that was her way of saying, thank you for telling me, but I've known for a long time. And then she said, what would you like for dessert? Ice cream oh, or pie? That's and that so was it. nice. I mean, and we had conversations after, you know, yeah. I asked her, I was like, hey, what about kids? Or, and she's like, do you think you'll ever get married? And I'm like, well, we can't get married, you know, those kind of things. So we would have conversations in the future beyond that. Um, but it never really came up as a topic again. It really just was about, beautiful uh, thing. are you going to be happy? And mm-hmm. and who's going to make you happy? And and now I send her pictures of guys that I'm thinking about going on a date with. And she's like, oh, wow, he's hot or whatever. Yeah. So, and yeah, yeah. Some, we've talked about some of your selections. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm making better choices now. So yeah, yeah it's all good. Uh, um, maybe we'll get into that oh, later. Lord. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> I go balls deep every time. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's let's get back to you're in Virginia. Yeah, 2012. You've been with your partner for said amount of years. Mm-hmm. Great job, great condo, great yeah. life, but you're unhappy. Yeah. Did you have conversations with your partner about the fact that you were unhappy? Nope. So you just bottled it all yeah. up. No, I I I am terrible at having those types of conversations with with even acknowledging it myself, let alone with anybody else. Do you think that you could do that conversation now? Yeah, I think today I definitely could. But um, you just felt like no one would listen or that I felt like it was unjustified. You kind of have to understand the mental state a little bit more. So, um, you step out of your own skin. You mm-hmm. look at your life from the outside, right? And everybody's like, wow, what a great life. They're a good couple. They have fun. They do all these things. They're living a great life. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, I was at the end any time looking at the world around me and the economy was doing fairly well. And we had a great president and, you know, society was advancing in the terms of accepting, um, you know, LGBTQIA plus community. And there, the world was just doing really well. And I felt like uh, at the time, how can all of this good be happening around me and me still feel bad? I don't mm-hmm. understand. And what the message that started to replay in my head over and over again was clearly you are wrong. 
clearly you are broken. You are a bad human because of all of the good in your life and you feel like shit. Where does that voice come from? I have no idea. You have no I idea. Really do, I have really no idea. Is there but never been so is there someone in your life that spoke to you that way or mm. did that just naturally occur? No, I think it was just I no, I've been very fortunate. I've had very supportive family. I my mom would often say, you know, she wasn't a good mother. She would be, she would beat herself up about a lot of things. You know, we were it was just me and her for the longest time and she had lots of boyfriends and there was all kinds of drama when I was a kid. Um, but I tell her all the time, it's like, you know what? Yes, all of that stuff happened, but I never felt unloved or unprotected. And I never felt like I wasn't your priority. And mm. so despite all of those bad things, I have a cousin who had a, who had a pristine life whose you know, dad made a great living. He could have done anything he wanted to go to any college, travel around the world, do anything he wanted. And he blew it. And he blames the fact that his mom was controlling or what have you. Mm. Um, and I didn't have that at all. I had a great I feel like I had a great childhood. I feel like I had a great upbringing. Was it perfect? Did I have everything I wanted? No. Did no. I have tough skin genes from, from Sears at new school year? Of course. But yeah. at the same time, I felt like I had a pretty good childhood. So no, I don't know where the voice came from. I really don't know other than I think that just the persona that you are, the person that you become through the experiences in your life um, embeds itself somewhere deep in your psyche. and. Uh, like I said before, I wasn't super popular in school. I would get picked on a lot in grade school. I got beat up on a daily basis walking home. I was made to drink mud puddle water and all kinds of things because mud puddle water. Yeah, sixth grade bullies are awful. They don't. They so uh, they would just shove your face into the ground. No, well, it, it, basically they would tell me I was going to get beat up unless I drank the mud puddle water, and then they let me go home. Um, so it it was just. I, and I, I have always marched to the beat of my own drum, not to be mm -hmm. too cliche. I never had to have the right clothes and I never had to have the right, like kids in school when I was in grade school would have Crayola crayons. Mm -hmm. I had Kmart crayons and I was okay with having Kmart crayons. Yeah. So I just was never, I didn't fit in, you know, I, and I didn't care about not fitting in. But at the same time, obviously that has an effect on you when you realize yeah. that you're on the outside looking in all the time. Um, and it wasn't until high school, I lived in, in, a, in a relatively small town in the south end of the county, and there was a one high school that served a large area. So there's 1,500 students in my high school. And it wasn't until I got to high school where you have this large, diverse group of people that I finally found those that felt like I did, mm -hmm. and that didn't care about the right clothes, and that they liked the theater, and it was cool to go play with geek technology stuff, and they liked computers. And um, then I found people that I could be friends with because we had a lot of things in common, and I didn't feel odd anymore. But I think by that point, Obviously, I'm not a professional, but I think by that point, whatever voice in my head was going to talk to me in 2012 had already been rooted mm -hmm. and had been growing for a while. Um, and so, yeah, I, I looked at this awesome life I had. I looked at the world around me and everything should be great. And I felt like shit. And I, the only thing I could equate to is that I was broken, that I was the reason that yeah. was happening. There was something wrong with me that I can't see all the good going on. From what you described, you said you you felt guilty for feeling sad oh, yeah. because yeah. you saw how much suffering happens in the mm -hmm. world yeah that's a danger of comparison mm -hmm. you yeah. know like it's it's so it's so because you don't actually know what someone's life is like it's interesting there's um God, there's a netflix documentary called happy mm -hmm. i think it and they t they they follow some a uh, family that like lives in a mud hut mm -hmm. and like lives in in severe poverty but they're so happy yeah and i think like the comparison like to assume you know that if people who have less mm -hmm. um live a worse life i think that's where it gets a little dangerous for yeah. people and why it's really important just to focus on your own happiness mm -hmm. 
And if you're curious, you know, ask someone like, do you enjoy your life? Like, right. let's get that information before making those mm-hmm. assumptions. Yeah. So you're so that negative speak got louder and louder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It got really loud um, to the point where I thought, um, I don't remember when I first contemplated suicide. I don't I couldn't really pick a date, um, but it got to the point where I was just like, it wasn't that I wanted the pain to end. Or the, the, I didn't even pain. That's hard for me to describe it. it I didn't. It wasn't that I wanted the, the sadness to go away. Yeah, you were, you felt empty. It was that I felt like I didn't belong in this world because how can someone have so much and be so unhappy when there are so many people that have nothing, or um, you, you just can't justify your existence. At least I couldn't. And so I started making plans i was just like this is um and that's just me i'm a planner i mm-hmm. don't do anything usually i have some degree of spontaneity but not a ton yeah when you um, described the first time we talked about this when you described the process you'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that i was like that's like maybe the most type a suicide <laughs> i've ever seen in my life yeah it's it's and crazy. the thing is the thing that makes it even more scary is that you had to think through that whole thing which means you were so sure that mm-hmm. For almost the entire experience, you knew mm-hmm. that that was what you were going to do. It was six months. It was six, six months, months in duration. Yeah, it was probably February that I started really contemplating it and putting together a solid plan. Um, and then it was going to be uh, September that I was gonna uh, that I was gonna actually do it. I was gonna so wait why for my that? partner to be gone. Oh, so he, he was, was gonna go on a concert tour and like three or four different stops, and so he was gonna be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- my big thing all along was that I didn't want any trouble for anybody else. Mm-hmm. I didn't want any left. I didn't want any loose ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the plan came from. Okay. It was really about not hurting anyone else any more than it, than I, I already acknowledged that I was going to destroy people's lives at least to some degree. Yeah. Um, by doing this, but at the same time, that feeling of letting other people down was nowhere near capable of overriding the feeling I had about being unworthy to exist at that point. And that, like, I talk to a lot of people who in suicidal moments doing what I do and. I explained to them like the pain doesn't go away it just transfers on to right. everyone that's mm-hmm. around you and you need yep. to consider that yeah and I know that now obviously but at the yeah. time you're clouded you're by, so just you know, unhappy yeah. yeah did your something that I've noticed is like I've had a few friends commit suicide and when they made the plan mm-hmm. um they appeared happier. Oh, yeah. Did I, that happen for you? I had this moment when I finally said, you know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I was almost euphoric because there was a solution. Yes. There was an end in sight. There was a defined moment in time where I wouldn't feel this way anymore. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I had a great time. I, I felt awesome. And as I continued to – in fact, it's almost – it's really kind of weird or, or almost macabre, but – the more detailed the plan became, the better I felt. And it's like when, light at the end of the tunnel. Right, when I put the last stitch in that blanket, so to speak, when I when I figured out where, when, how, um, that I remember feeling almost euphoric at that moment, thinking mm-hmm. this is going to be great. I can't. I don't want to say I couldn't wait, but at the same time, I was like, um, yeah, this is the solution. This mm-hmm. is the solution. I don't want to get into detail about. That's okay. How? Because I don't want to give anyone no I, ideas. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that anyway. But um, like, were you looking at ways that were just painless and that you'd like coast mm. off? Yeah, it was. It was going to be a chemical reaction that I was going to do inside of a bathroom at a hotel. And you just you just get those chemicals at any store. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like easily accessible. Yeah, easy. 
So did you? Were you careful with how you collected it? I guess it, no. it wouldn't really no. matter. <laughs> I went You'd to the gone. Safeway two blocks from my house and I bought everything I needed. Did you um, wait until your partner left to buy uh, the items? No, I had a lot of it because some of it just appeared like laundry or cleaning, you know, stuff. So he mm-hmm. wouldn't have known any different. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I did wait to get until he was gone was a lot of the preparatory materials for the bathroom. Um, some like visqueen and other things. What's to, visqueen? It's uh, like a plastic uh, material that's impervious to like chemicals and odors and smells. So and you'd stuff. like coat the tub with that? I was going to hang it in the whole bathroom. So basically, and again, I don't want to get into too many details, but I, what I was going to do was going to cause a noxious gas. And and it could have caused problems for other people in the hotel and any responders. So you responders just wanted to make come. sure that you right. were you were the only one affected right. by this, at least exactly. physically. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so was there any point in time where, like, you almost slipped or someone got suspicious that was in your life? Nope. No. I'm you were way just too careful for that. dome-faced the yep. whole time. Yep, Did no. people notice you got happier? Um, if they did, nobody let on and I didn't catch up that they, that they were noticing. Um, if anything, maybe people just thought, Hey, he was going through a rough time at work. It was busy, stressful, whatever. And now that's kind of passed. Um, do you wish people had asked you more? Maybe. Um, obviously if I had done it, I would probably be looking up from wherever we would be now and say, yeah, probably somebody should ask me something. But at the time, no. That's why I always, I always urge people like, even if you don't know something is wrong with someone, like ask the loved ones in your life how are you mm-hmm. and like it, and mean it and listen to the answer mm-hmm. you know just don't do a like the grocery clerk asks you how are you today and you say i'm fine how are you and not really care you know if ask some, how you are and mean it do you think you would ha- if someone had done that with you um you wouldn't have gone as far as you did um unfortunately no i'm pretty stubborn and you and, are i could uh, see someone being actually intimidated to ask you if you're okay yeah because um, i f- have a feeling you just been like yeah i'm fine yeah and that's exactly what i would yeah. have done had somebody said anything um so yeah unfortunately it probably wouldn't have made a difference in my scenario but mm-hmm. it um i'm sure that there are others i don't want to discount the ability to engage with other people and ask them so, yeah because my unique personality is is mine and how i would have interacted is one thing but other people out there that are more vulnerable perhaps or more on the fence about whether or not this is the right thing that question could be the difference yeah you know? and it could be um the one moment of caring that someone else says and uh, that that changes that person's future um you know which is really what happened you know with your video it was um right message right time i mean completely it's just yeah as i think back on that night because i mean we'll if we skip forward a little bit is that good? let's cool? let's let's okay. get get we'll to that point okay. so your your partner is going going away for a while. Do you have like mm-hmm. a special goodbye? Like did, no, no, not really. It, just kind of business as in, usual. Yeah. Um, you know, I had done all my prepara- preparation, so um, I had bought my own funeral plot or my own cemetery plot. I paid for my own funeral. I had very detailed instructions on what I wanted done. I didn't want any fanfare or celebration. I just. You know, if did my, you research like how to write this stuff out? Or? Yeah, yeah. You can go to LegalZoom.com and get you and know gets, a will and and okay, yeah. so will yeah, yeah, will and then just a letter with my wishes because there's no real legal document that says how your final wishes should be executed. And did but. you like did you did you have like a suicide note like saying like this is mm-hmm. why? No, there was no why. Mm-hmm. There was simply instructions on what I wanted to have done. Still very t- yeah. very type A. Yeah. Why was unimportant in my mind that's true you know, i would i was unimportant in my mind so the why mm. who cares why and maybe thinking about back, back on it now maybe at that time in my life i thought to myself nobody else thinks i'm important either so well i'm like 
I know we're like way past this, but like you being a part of my life since since we had this first conversation, like mm-hmm. you're very important to me. Thank you. If that important means anything. It means a lot. Actually. Yeah. I and think, I feel that way now about a lot of people. You know, that's good. Lot, I know that I'm important now. And, you know, this was a long time ago. It's not significantly long ago, but it was, you know, yeah. a long, in the grand scheme of things, it was a long How time long ago. How long ago is this? So seven years. I mean, it was 2012. Yeah. yeah. That's still pretty recent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not ancient. And, and I, um, aside from the videos that we've done about this topic before and the streams that we've done, I have still not told my partner or my family Oof. the details. Um, my my family will never see this in social media. None of them have computers or, right. or anything like that. And my partner, um, he, uh, I still love him very much, and we had an amazing life together. But he is very, very much the type of person that would take this on himself Oof. and make it as if he had done something wrong or failed. And so I just can't bring myself to do that. Yeah. In light of this, if this becomes, you know, uh, I mean, your podcast is really popular, so I may reach out to him and just say, hey, you might see this, and if so, but I don't want to force him to go watch it, right? I don't yeah. want to. So it's a, it's a balancing act for me. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, but it's important for me to tell the story because I want, if there's anybody who ever, that ever watches this, that ever, you know, a day from now or 10 years from now mm-hmm. and sees it and knows that, if you get to the point where I was, you know, check yourself, check your attitude, check your beliefs, suck it up, and ask someone, "Hey, is this normal?" And it doesn't have to be a professional. Don't. It it's a like a, don't don't reach for a permanent solution for a te- temporary right. issue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you get the hotel room. Mm-hmm. You have your clothes laid out. Yeah. You. Oh, have... I was going to be naked, but yeah. Well, it makes me- it easier. Meaning like clothes to be buried in maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had all yeah. that. I wanted to be cremated, but I did have my clothes, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and notes for everyone. No, there was no notes for everyone. Or there just, was just instructions. There was an instructions that was that was going to be taped on the outside of the bathroom door for the responders. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you have any plan for how to alert someone or like – or that you were just gonna wait till someone discovered you? I figured that I was supposed to check out of the hotel at 11 the next morning and, and someone would know. Okay. And so I didn't really have to figure out how to get mm-hmm. you know someone there. So you have all this planned out, mm-hmm. but to, but when you encounter my content, mm-hmm. you were, what were you researching? <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that there didn't need to be an autopsy. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid that my mom especially, um, and my partner to a lesser degree, I was just really worried that they would be involved in this long drawn out process to be able to establish closure, to just have the funeral and say goodbye. And so I was watching some YouTube videos from coroners that were talking about the process to deal with suicides and whether or not autopsies were required. And my goal basically was to say, have I documented clearly enough in my instructions what I did so that there doesn't need to be a determination of how I did it, right? So had you? Like yeah, that? oh, yeah, apparently. I mean, I was watching this video yeah. and trying to listen to what this guy had to say, and basically it came down God, to There's you know, YouTube videos for everything. There is, God. yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> well, and there's websites for everything. Yeah, it's just nuts, that's you know? true, um, that's true. So, yeah, so I'm watching this video, and uh, I paused it to go to the bathroom, and I came back, and you know how if you're watching YouTube in the standard kind of format, there's that list of yeah, suggested videos or videos, recommended videos yeah. on the side. And I think third or fourth from the top um, was your video. Uh, you were in a black hoodie. You looked like some sort of a hoodlum. It was dark outside. <laughs> I um, am a hoodlum. That's yeah. me. <laughs> uh, I think you were in It was L.A., obviously. I'm just um, really confused how my video got suggested in a playlist full of coroner videos. Who knows? I don't know. Do that, you know what? I'm not it's religious, but you start to question some right, things at right. that point. Um, 
So I sat back down at the computer and I went to hit play and I saw this title and it said, there's nothing wrong with you. That was just the title of the video. Um, and I don't know why to this day I can't. I mean, normally I would have just like, whatever, you know, what the fuck? Let me just move on. Because you had planned. You were, I was, it was you the were next six day. months deep into yeah. this plan. You it was were that at day. the finish line. Yeah. Um, I was hours away from executing my plan. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know why, but I clicked it. And it had nothing to do with my situation. I think it was situation. relationships. It was about stuff. relationships. Yeah. Stuff. And at the time, you were doing daily content. And so I'm sure you were, you know, if I put myself in your shoes, you had been on a trip or something and you would come back and you were, I, I think you had just gotten out of the subway or whatever. Yeah. And so you're like, oh shit, I haven't done my daily content yet. So let me record something on my phone in my hoodie while I'm walking around Los Angeles in dark. Um, and it, yeah, it was about relationships. It was something about, you know, a relationship falling apart or something and just realizing that you're not wrong because something in a relationship doesn't work out. And even though that had nothing to do with me, my, my relationship was fine, you know, for the most part at that time. Um, just the title. It was your relationship with yourself that was right. an issue. True. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But, um, but just the title. There's nothing wrong with you. And all of a sudden in that moment, and I don't know how long this took. I, I really don't have any concept of the timing of it, but I imagine it was probably several hours where I just sat and cried and stopped crying and thought and cried some more and laid down and, and sat up. And it was about three in the morning when I looked at the clock and I thought, there is nothing wrong with me. Maybe I am an okay person and it's okay to be sad sometimes when everything looks like it should be happy. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's okay to feel bad and maybe it's okay to see suffering in the world and still be okay with having a good life. Maybe that's not, it doesn't make you a bad person to be born into better circumstances than someone else. And I started asking myself, well, what do you do then? You know, what, what do you do as a person to try to counteract some of these other bad things? And I don't claim to be some prima donna, like great guy or anything like that. I give money to charity uh, when I can. I, I do little things when I can. I support people and things that I believe in um, to try to make a positive difference in the world. But um, it just went, I just went through this, what I imagine was a several hour process of realizing that there was nothing wrong with me and that this, I didn't need to do this. And, um, in that moment, I tore down all the stuff. I packed up all the junk. I threw away all the chemicals in the dumpster at the at the hotel. Um, I found every piece of note or documentation that I had done. Mm. Everything was on paper. I didn't do anything electronically. Smart. Um, and I found everything and I burned it uh, in our fireplace at home. Um, and I went home and I crawled in the bed and I woke up the next morning and I was just different. Everything looked it's different. so crazy. Like yeah. it's just like so planned out and just like one message at the right time mm -hmm. and that's why like you know and i made sure and made sure that you were okay with it that's why mm -hmm. when when i because i applied for the ted fellow program yeah. why i was why why you being alive is my crowning achievement because mm -hmm. what you're describing there is exactly why i do what i do and why i urge other people who are influencers mm -hmm. to make sure that like even if it's just some silly quick video with your phone right that you're putting out a good message that will impact people because you just never know yeah i mean it's 90 seconds of your life that that um you know completely changed the rest of mine and um yeah it was and you know from that moment forward i had a relationship with you and you didn't even know me at that time yeah you, know? you i remember you saying like i um, want to figure out how i can help this guy so you went and liked and favorited a i bunch did of i videos. watched i spent days um because i had taken vacation obviously for that week and so i spent days watching 
every video of Sup Ricky 06. Oh, the music stuff. Uh, yeah, the music stuff. Um, and and I just re- always remember, you know, uh, a thumbs up equals a kiss and a, fav- a favorite equals a hug or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is how I can help this guy. This is yeah. how he makes his living. And I, I researched, you know, the algorithm and how things work on YouTube and stuff. And I thought, well, let me just go through and I would watch Still them Still so type A. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to help. And yeah. I, I just, I figured at that point, at that point in time, you know, in 2012, it's like, I will never... I will never have an opportunity to talk to this guy and tell him what he did. Never. I mean, I literally never would have thought I mean, that this why, moment why would happen. I mean, why would you? Right, exactly. For me, at the time, and maybe this is indicative of my generation or my age, but like I think of people right now that are super po- that are super popular on Twitch or YouTube or whatever. They're famous. I mean, you're yeah. famous. It's like we went to a bar yeah. in WeHo and somebody came up to you and said, oh, my God, I love your videos. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, I know somebody famous. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you hate it. I know that you hate when well, we talk about I you being famous. Well, I hate the ego attached yeah. to it. And I hate um, the term influencer because I feel like it's been really just like changed into my purpose on these platforms is to give. Right. I need to receive. I need to keep the lights right. on. But like I want to give more than I receive. Right. And I feel like this generation – Especially because they're so young, mm-hmm. they they they're there to receive attention. They're there yeah. to like, you know, validate themselves. We're really like m- my wish for them is that they have enough validation within themselves that they don't need it and they can give it to others. Mm-hmm. Like they are in a position of privilege. Use that privilege to help people right. who don't have the same. Mm-hmm abilities yeah. or that you do, or they do have the same abilities help them realize right. it yeah yeah so it, it was amazing and then um you advanced many years i mean i guess we i guess we met probably two years ago about now, two, years ago. two years ago yeah you were in chicago in chicago you were in chicago well and i had found you on twitch by then yeah um, you'd become like it's amazing how much closer i've become with people whose names i would see kind of fly by mm-hmm. but now i see all the time and like interact with them and it's an actual back and forth which is why i love twitch yeah why i love live streaming because it's like an actual conversation yeah i just about died when um so i was i was i play an online game called eve i've been playing for years Mm -hmm. uh and the corp that i was in was gonna have this big battle and i was gonna miss it because i was traveling for work Mm -hmm. and one of our corp mates was gonna stream it live on twitch and i'm like okay let me get all set up in this twitch which is why my name is dax on there because it's the character name in the game and so i thought i don't know what this is i don't know what this platform is i'll never use it for anything else so why not and now look at you yeah right dex is a turtle Um, so uh so i signed up for that i'm watching the live stream and i don't know how twitch knows this but it's like someone you subscribe to in youtube is live right now and it said it on the side of the stream i I think i have maybe maybe you have a link it or something i don't know what it was but again it was very it took me right back to that night in 2012 i'm like holy crap here he is on the side aligned so i'm like fuck the battle I'm going to go see what this is. And I click on it and then you're live. And I probably waited 20 minutes before I typed in the chat. Yeah. Because I, and I knew at that point that at least I believed that I would never tell you, you know, how I'd come Mm -hmm. to find you or know anything about you because I thought, how could you possibly put that kind of weight on someone? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I didn't want to do that. And then I, as I got to know you more and interacted with the community, I realized, you know, he probably would like to know, but I won't do it unless I can validate my purpose. Well, because I I put messages out there into the world. And for the most part, I don't hear back from the people that I touch. Yeah. You know, I don't know how it affects them. I just know that when I put it out into the ether, Mm -hmm. that that it's a good message and that I'm proud of it. Yeah, so I I decided that I would when we finally got to meet in Chicago, 
Uh, I was at, terrified. At were you Lou terrified? Oh my god! Really? Terrified. Why? Terrified. Well, I I don't know. I mean. Think of everything that led up to me meeting you. Yeah, and it's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot, uh, yeah. There's a lot of water under that bridge. And so mm-hmm. I was like, is he going to be the same as he is on TV? No, he's not going to be the same he is on TV. He's a different, he's a real person. So yeah, there's, I think I'm you know, pretty similar. Pretty, for, for the most part, yeah. 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 Uh, you let your guard down a little bit when the camera's not on. And so you're, I can't be but, like, yeah, all right? the time. No one want to be um, my friend. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and. So yeah, I was. We were texting back and forth about ETAs and driving, and which one we were going to go to, and which one was closer to your house. And and I just like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm it's bad. happening. At one point, I was like sweating. I'm like, it's Chicago in the winter time. And yeah, I'm sweating. <laughs> it's a rare um, thing. So uh, we, I show up to Luminati's. I didn't know what kind of car you were going to be in. I'd never seen you beyond, you know, the shoulders, head yeah. up shoulder kind of thing. Um, and uh, so I get out of my car, and you got out of your car, and you come walking over, and I was like, I said internally to myself, like, holy shit, he's real. Like, he's real and then yeah. you gave me the hug which and i we've talked about this on the community for before but his hugs are legit like yeah full on like Woo! arms around hand on the back of your head like squeeze you tight like he's known you your whole life hug. yeah um and uh and this is before i knew any it, of this right you we hadn't know told anything. me and i wasn't actually sure until the moment i started to say it that i was going to tell you yeah you gave um, me the like i want to tell you something and i was like oh fuck was this yeah. a mistake like yeah i'm yeah. having a i want to tell you something <laughs> conversation with someone i've never met before oh my god yeah right talk about awful it's all it's like right up there with like uh we need to talk oh god yeah (laughs) it could have gone a lot of ways but yeah um, we had had a great meal and great conversation and Mm -hmm. and so i thought you know what i need this guy to know what he did for me yeah it made a um, major impact on my life like even hearing that story like i don't take on that weight as mine because if i did that i would be heavy all the time yeah um but to know that that even just the title of a video could move someone mm-hmm. to live. Yeah. Yeah. Even if, I mean, yeah, it, it's, um, I, you know, I wish that I could explain it in more detail. I wish I could articulate to a higher degree all of the nuance involved in that moment, because I think that if there's anybody out there that ever feels as if they're not worthy or they don't belong or that their, mm-hmm. their pressures or weights on their life are too heavy for them to bear, I think that if I could articulate those nuances that they would help in some way or yeah. another. But I can't. I, I can't I can't say why those five words, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with you or six words, whatever it is. Um, I can't say why it made such an impact on me. I think maybe um, maybe if we're trying to make impact, I can say from someone who receives those messages from people that it's not a burden. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's a huge message right there. Like you telling me that you went through that i i don't absorb that Mm -hmm. it doesn't make my life worse it doesn't weigh me down and make me sad it makes me grateful Mm -hmm. and it it fills me with purpose so like you don't have to take on all of that on your own and if you find someone in your life that you trust enough Mm -hmm. to confide in you are not hurting them in any way shape or form you are just unburdening yourself yeah I think that's an important message for yeah. people. I mean, I, I think obviously I, I can't tell what would be, what would have made a difference at that moment in my life. But I think if if I had that message that yeah. you know I'm not going to harm someone else by being broken mm-hmm. or by being in this state of mind, then maybe I would have reached out. I, I don't know. And if I, you're I, alive, you're not broken, right? I, I mean, we all struggle, right? We you're, struggle you're with bendy. everything every day. I'm very bendy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I'm not broken now, and and um. 
and I wasn't broken then. Mm-hmm. I was in a bad spot. I uh, was surrounded by a lot of darkness that I couldn't see past, but um, all it took was a, a, a light, one light, and then the rest of it was able to melt away and you can move forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm, I'm successful. I'm happy. I'm living my life. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, see adventures and opportunities and everything. And, um, I think you can't as a human being go through that experience and say that it doesn't in some way define you. I would love to say, no, that experience, my yeah. brush with suicide doesn't define me, but it's bullshit. It does. It's part of your story, right? It, it, it is part of the building blocks that have built you to the point where you are today. And so the fact that I, that I am successful and I take and own things that I, that I do and the way that I interact with other people and the compassion that I feel for, um, you know, the citizens that I work with in my job and all those things, I think all of that has been formed and built by, by what I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I hope that, you know, I don't tell this story. I certainly don't want sympathy. I didn't want it then. I don't want it now. Good, because um, I don't care about you at all. Good. I know you don't. You're just <laughs> a cold-hearted bitch. That's me. Um, there's no emotions. Don't ever try to find clips of crying or anything. Yes, no, I de- I've never um, cried. Yeah, never. On the internet never, or anywhere else. Never, no. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just hope that that by sharing this story tells people that you don't have to be by yourself. You don't have to fight through things by yourself. If you feel like you're by yourself, you're probably wrong. And there's probably somebody that cares about you. We go through so many of the same experiences and we think we're alone because we're too afraid to speak on Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I think if you create, like just like you've created with like the camping stuff, Mm -hmm. like you've created a network of people who feel similar to you and you connected with them by being willing to be vulnerable. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think vulnerability is what people struggle with the most. Yeah. Yeah. Being vulnerable is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks because you have to admit you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. You have to admit something's wrong. And you have to open yourself up to being hurt. Mm, Right. Yeah. Mm. It's very, it's very vulnerable. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Can we use the definition? Can we define the word with the word? Yeah. So how, like what happened after that? Like how how much longer were you with your partner? Uh, So my partner and I were together until uh, 2016. So we were together. So you still together for years. How do you not Mm -hmm. say anything? It, um, it it was easy. It was really easy because of, like I said, because of the type of personality he is. And again, I mean this in no negative way whatsoever. He's a very loving, caring person, Mm -hmm. but he would have owned it he would have taken that on as himself and he would have started to ask himself what are all the ways in which I failed to lead to that point and mm-hmm. I just that's just not something I want to do and so for me it was just an easy I'm just never going to say this so what ended it what ended our relationship yeah we just became very different people so I went through um a stage where I was really aggressively trying to lose weight and improve myself um and he was very supportive through the whole thing um, but at the same time, I just started to realize that I had suppressed a lot of the feelings that I had about our, how our relationship was going, the things that really bothered me. Um, and I, again, I don't want to talk bad about him because he's a really wonderful human being. Um, but there were aspects of his personality that just didn't do well by me. Mm. And um, the longer that we were in the relationship, the better I felt about myself as I was losing weight and, and doing the the personal goals that were helping me with my insecurities the more I realized that I didn't deserve to suppress how I was feeling about those things. Yeah. Um, you know, he would drink a lot and he was non alcoholic, but when he would go out, um, he would drink to get drunk. And when he became drunk, he wasn't a very nice person. And, mm-hmm. and he would say really mean things about me. And, and, 
Um, I didn't go to college. I don't have a college degree, yet I'm extremely successful in my Dead career. Beard. And so he would call that out and say, you're you're not as smart as me because I didn't go to college. And That's I his, knew it wasn't him, right? It's, it it was, is him. It's his insecurities. Yeah, but it wasn't malicious, right? He wasn't yeah. doing it to try to hurt me. Um, but there were just little things like that that over the years we just grew apart. And when it came time to end it, I realized that even if he was as equally unhappy and unsatisfied in our relationship as I was, he was not a strong enough personality to say, we need to we need to consider ending this or what have you. We had talked about therapy and stuff, and I had just said, you know, that's not going to work. I mean, we just have some fundamental differences yeah. that are not going to Sometimes you got to be okay yeah. with just letting it go. Yeah, and so know? ultimately, I, you know, we had gone to Disney World for my birthday, and, and um, uh, we had had a little bit of a conversation there about, what what our relationship was like and how he was feeling broke up stuff. at the and happiest place no no, on no Earth. we did not it was months later okay <laughs> uh, it was september so it was don't several, do that to the mouse later. no 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 um but ultimately i had to end it because yeah. I, I wanted to be happy in a relationship and, and then you went back to seattle yeah originally i mean we owned a condo together and so i was like the market was terrible there was no way we were going to sell it for what we owed so originally the plan was i would simply be a roommate um, and it oh. took it took a matter of weeks to figure that was not that was going not going to work. It took and me so, a matter of seconds to know that yeah, wasn't going to work, but um, you tried. I did try. Yeah. Uh, and so ultimately, what I did is I I said, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to commit to pay my half of all of the more the house related expenses for a year, but I'm moving out. And I moved back to Seattle. Uh, and so for a year, I paid all my half of everything while he decided if he was going to keep the condo, sell it, refinance it in his own name, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured. Uh, that's the least I could do for disrupting a life that he thought at that point anyway was not going to change to that degree. Yeah. Um, and I have friends that call me stupid and, and it's like, that was dumb. And why did you do that? It's like relationships end all the time. These are the consequences. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. And if the positions were reversed, I would have appreciated the same effort. So, yeah. Yeah. So life's been good. Yeah. Life's good. You know, my partner and I are friends. We talk on a regular basis. You know, he checks in on me. I check in on him. Uh, I got a birthday card from him last month and we, we exchanged Christmas presents and um, his brother's working on a, on a custom art piece for me for a gift. For someone and so yeah we're, we're good i'm good my career's going well my personal life is um kind of some hills and valleys right now but it'll you've got get... some interesting dating situations because <laughs> you bring them into the chat you had the one guy who uh oh, do we have you, to really talk yeah about we're this? going into this oh, you know jesus. we need some release from the... chris i love you but jesus christ <laughs> so you had one um, frida come help me younger fellow who um enjoyed the miles that you had uh, um yeah. And then you found that he was dating other people while he was visiting you? He was trying to. He was trying to hook up with Not people. Not while he was visiting. So, yeah, this um, – so we, we'll, we'll call him Ken to, okay, uh, to Ken. protect the innocent. So sure. Ken – Not so innocent, uh, but go ahead. I was in Florida on work travel for, for Miami. I'd been there for a couple weeks already. Um, and uh, this is – I don't want this to be too big of a surprise to you heteros out there, but gay people have apps that we use to no. hook up with. Yeah, the um, thing about your apps, like mine's like, hey – your person is within a mile of you. Gay apps are like, they're right next to you. They're a hundred feet away. Yeah. <laughs> Go make it happen. <laughs> right. So there's an app called Scruff and I was on Scruff. I've been on Scruff a lot. Oh yes, you have been. It's actually. not me. I report but them often. Yeah. It's my face. <laughs> um, so I would always text those people, by the way, just as a segue, say, Hey Chris, how's it going? I didn't know you finally came out. And be like, my name is Ron. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and see a report. You button. Just, like, send a picture of yeah. you and me together. Yeah, like, I'm like, so, you know, how did this happen? Anyway, so yeah, it's funny. Um, so I, I, uh, he messaged me on Scruff actually. Mm-hmm. And 
from. And he was in New York City, or not New York, he was in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was down in Florida, so far away. So he had to do some pretty significant actions on the app to find me that far away. So whether it was like searching by body type or hair color or whatever, the app gives you all those opportunities to find you know what you're attracted to. Uh, so we started talking um, and uh, we talked like all night long chatting on that app. We exchanged phone numbers uh, like a day later. We talked on the phone. We FaceTimed. Um, when I got back home, we would uh, sit on the phone together while like he was playing video games and we would just talk. Um, we developed a, a really good friendship, you know, mm-hmm. slash relationship that um, I really believed, you know, and we should kind of go back that. Um, he was in his, uh, mid twenties. He was like six foot one, um, black, muscular, beautiful person. I mean, in my eyes anyway, um, very much my type of guy that I would go Mm -hmm. for. Um, and so you take that coupled with the insecurities that I deal with. I'm like, wow, this guy is interested in me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's awesome. So your brain starts kicking into overdrive about, all right, don't let, don't fuck this up. You know, don't fuck this up. And so um, ultimately he said, hey, do you want to come for a visit? You know, we can hang out in Seattle. I'll show you around. We can get to know each other a little better. So he's like, sure. So I used Miles, Freaking Flyer Miles, to bring him out to Seattle. We spent a weekend together. It was great. We had a great yeah. time. You know, we had an awesome time. We had great sex. It was a lot of fun hanging around the city. Uh, we took selfies together. We went on. Selfies? Uh, yeah. I mean, wow. we did, it, was, it was like legit. Pretty serious. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was way serious. In today's Self- world, that was like. We're selfies are serious. Hashtag. Um, yeah. So uh, we had a great weekend. <laughs> And I truly believe that by the time the weekend ended, I had kind of resigned myself to like, well, that's it. I won't see him again. You know, I figured, and this is the self-doubt thing that comes in. I still Mm -hmm. struggle with it. It's like, he's met me now. He's seen me in person, despite the fact that I'd sent him honest to God pictures of, you know, what I look like and all those things. It's like, this is, this will be the end. And it's okay because I had a good weekend. You know, I had a, I had a fun time and I'm okay with it. So I dropped him off at the airport. And I was sitting, I was walking back to the parking space in the parking garage. I got in my car and I was headed out of the parking garage and I got a text message from him and it said, I miss you already. And everything changed. Ooh, All of a sudden, possibility. I'm, like, I'm like, wow, that yeah. that's legit. And at that moment, I can honestly say I didn't know that anything bad was going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I hadn't yet seen it. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I had a great weekend and I kind of miss you too. And we just started talking more and more. And before you know it, we were talking about, you know, could we be together? What does he want as a relationship? What do I want in a relationship? What are his life goals? What are my life goals? Um, and looking now, and even at that point, I, I can honestly admit that I knew that it was a big sham. I mean, I, I he was saying all the right things. It was too perfect, mm-hmm. right? It was too perfect. Yeah, to give it a shot, though. Yeah. So, um, if we skip over all of the superfluous fluffy mumbo jumbo that happened in the, the, the many weeks and months preceding, um, we get to a point where he decided that he wants to move to Seattle and we're going to try to make this work. Um, and so I'm like, okay, so I scheduled a, a flight to go out to New York. Uh, he loaded up his car with all of his belongings and we were going to drive across the country back to Seattle and we we're going to mm-hmm. make a go at this. We we're going to live a life together. Yeah. Um, and on the way back, is when things started to disintegrate. We were in a hotel room in Idaho. The last leg of the trip was the next day, um, or in in Montana, I'm sorry, uh, Bozeman, Montana. And uh, I get a message on my phone in Scruff from one of my friends in Seattle that said, hey, isn't this the guy that you're moving in with? And it was it was Kenji, mm-hmm. or Ken. Ken. <laughs> yeah, you can edit that out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was Ken. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah. So I brought it up with him. I'm like, hey, why are you on the app? It's like, I thought we were kind of found each other. And we blew up, we had a little argument. And it was at that moment, I'm like, oh, fuck. 
I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm totally screwed. And I, for a moment, considered calling a taxi and going to the airport and just flying home. And like, he can figure out his own life from this point forward. But then that internal part of me that doesn't want to hurt someone was yeah. like, you can't do that. Yeah. This guy just drove across the country. He's in fucking Bo- Bozeman, Montana, has no money to his name, doesn't have, you know, maybe he doesn't even have a half tank of gas left or whatever. So, and then he had a great story. He's like, look, I was just talking to friends that I know all around the world and blah, blah, blah. And he said all the right things again. And because I wanted it so bad, and Mm -hmm. I I can admit this to myself now, I wanted him. I wanted the physical him. I wanted a strong, muscular body to curl up with me at nighttime. I wanted that physical aspect of it. In addition to what I what I had imposed upon the whole thing was a was a relationship. Yeah. Um, but I can admit now that I was just a thirsty bitch, and I wanted <laughs> I wanted this hot guy to be mine, and so I overlooked it all. And we drove to Seattle the next day. Uh, less than a week later, he met my best friend and his family. We had dinner together, um, and I had a work trip coming up on Sunday. So that was a Thursday that we had dinner with all my friends. Sunday, I had to leave for work back to Miami. Um, or no, I was going to Huntsville. Uh, anyway, so Sunday comes along, you know, we do our, he drives me to the airport, which I like always had this thing that I would love it if somebody would care about me enough to take me to the airport and pick me up when I get home and was happy to see me and mm-hmm. all that romantic bullshit that you don't do. But yeah, some of us, us heteros do. like that. Um, so he dropped me off at the airport and that was super sweet. And I flew to Huntsville and it was Monday that again, I got another message from one of my friends, a text message that says, Hey, isn't this the guy that you just moved in with? And it was his picture from Grinder. Um, and it was, busy. You know, he was like, come, you know, it was a full on full nude picture. And then he sent me some pictures of the chat that was going back and forth. And so, um, at this point I just called him out on it. And I said, this is ridiculous. What's going on? And he tried again at that point to sell, sell the story. It wasn't I was, me. I was just, hey, bored or, you know, I was just trying to meet people. I'm like, you can meet people without sending them your dick pic. You know, it doesn't have to work. That and also way. outside of the right, dating outside app. of grinder um, or whatever it is. So a couple days go by and I ultimately just decide, I talked with Vince at that point and I kind of fessed up and, and told him everything. And Vince is like, um, all right, you, you gotta, when you get home, we'll take care of this. And, he lined mm-hmm. it up. He lined up my friend, another friend of mine. Is like, we'll we'll have the muscle if we need to get rid of this guy. Um, so I told, I just told Ken, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be home on Friday, and um, when I get there, my plane lands at like 11. Uh, we're going to pack up your stuff and we're going to put it in your car, and you're going to have to go. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give you a few hundred bucks that'll get you gas money. His family was all in Texas and Dallas area, so I said, I'm going to give you enough money to fill up your car enough to get to Dallas, where you have a support network. But that's it. Then we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, even though I'd made a lot of mistakes, I'd overlooked a lot of red flags. I, I had let my insecurities and my my want of that thing to override all of the internal caution and warning that was going off all of my instincts that i was ignoring Mm -hmm. um at least i stuck to my guns when it came right down to it and what could have been you know a tens of thousands of dollars mistake in the long term if i had continued to just ignore those warning signs you know wound up costing me a few hundred bucks and some frequent flyer miles and so it was a very valuable lesson for what it cost Mm -hmm. um and uh you know, now he gets a fabulous new life in Seattle. and, and <laughs> So he's still in Seattle. Oh, yeah, he's still in Seattle. Our paths don't cross physically very often, but I see him. Like, he shows up on my Facebook list of recommended friends all the That's time. I was what, like, are you fucking reco- kidding me? Here's people that you <laughs> you used to bang. Yeah. That's all that list is. <laughs> you used to bang or you want to bang. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. We, I, think that, I think the algorithm has a thirst thermometer. I'm sure it probably does. And he's like, texted me a couple times because I'd like to see you. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't have any interest nope. in seeing you. Boy, um, bye. Yeah. So, Boy, um, bye. 
So if you were to tell, like, to surmise your experiences, like what you've learned from what you went through with the attempted suicide mm-hmm. and what you went through with with that guy, and you talked about your insecurities, like mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken from all of this? Uh, the single biggest lesson that I've taken from it is that it is okay to ask for help. Mm. It is okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is okay to not be perfect. It is okay to not be strong. Um, it is okay to seek out, although I have not done so yet, but it is okay to think out, you know, to seek out professional help or therapy or uh, counseling or what have you, um, that those are all things that are okay. And to trust your inner voice when it comes to warning symbols and, and signs and cautions. And, um, you know, we are an evolved species for a reason. And, and our, our very biological nature is designed to detect problems and hazards and, and, and things that are going to harm you. And mm-hmm. I think that extends to personal relationships. And so yep. don't ignore those things. Listen um, to yourself. You know, listen to yourself. Yeah. 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 Do you want people to be able to reach out to you? Yeah. If you want, if you are struggling with, um, you know, suicidal thoughts or you're just feeling bad or you're not sure, or you just uh, want to be friends or you just want to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're, you know, tall and muscular and you're looking, you know, for a guy, <laughs> hey, you, <laughs> and know you got what? your own money. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my miles. You uh, don't get the same miles that you used to because no, your I job don't. changed. I'm not traveling so. as much. You can't no, you so. can't be flying out hot young yeah, men exactly to, i gotta use them limited now. so how do they find you uh so uh, gosh i don't know i'm terrible at this i guess um on twitter what i'm don o'cole on twitter i Spell guess you it. find me d-o-n-n-o-c-o-l-e all one word okay um and i think i have an instagram but i have no idea what it is okay so i'm sorry i'm terrible at <laughs> so if this. you want to reach out do so there um we're gonna switch to the q a section if you ever want to participate in the q a section make sure you follow me on twitch twitch.tv slash sup daily and also if you want to know when i go live you can follow there or on my social medias instagram twitter sup daily uh and thank you for sharing my your story anything for you oh love you <laughs> <laughs> welcome i hope you guys enjoyed that story i love talking to dax he's so eloquent it's always fun to talk to someone who is super eloquent if you enjoyed this make sure you give me a rating on apple podcast we're on spotify apple podcast google play and uh, i gotta say guys i'm really just loving every moment of these so if you ever want to connect with me twitch sub daily instagram sub daily twitter sub daily the branding is strong and i'll see you guys all on the next episode of unfiltered friends.